Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to be going to Philippians chapter 4 in a minute. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or open up your Bible apps and go there on your tablets or whatever device you may be using. Philippians chapter 4. We'll be going there in a minute. You know, today we're going to deal with anxiety and deal with worry. If you recall, I've been preaching on scriptures that I've been convicted to pray. And, you know, I've been convicted to pray, and it's not about my prayers that, that matter. It's about the Word of God that matters. It's about the Bible that matters. So I've been convicted to pray that God would help me to think on things that are above, things that are pure and right and lovely and of good reputation to make my mind His and do all things with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. We're going to get to that scripture in a minute. I want, to, I want to introduce it here in a minute. But first I want to say, you know, yesterday... I went to a Celebrate Recovery one-day seminar at another church. It was a one-day seminar on Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a Christian-based recovery group using the 12-step method. But when we think of recovery group, we may think of Alcoholics Anonymous, and there's nothing wrong with that, or Gamblers Anonymous, or various other things. Whereas Celebrate Recovery does help with chemical addictions, heroin addictions, and things like that. But Celebrate Recovery helps with anyone with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So it's not just about the chemical addictions, it's also anxiety disorders and codependency disorders and people who like to speed and drive fast. Uh, Seriously, anything like that. But first and foremost, it can help you, Bill. (laughs) Uh, See me after the service. I'm just kidding. Uh, So, you know, first and foremost, Celebrate Recovery would say that their focus is on getting people in a right relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Alcoholics Anonymous and some of those programs, which are really good, and if they've helped you, praise God. But they can help you with this life, being sober and and free of that. Whereas Celebrate Recovery's purpose, first and foremost, is to make sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the code really for it, again, they help people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So they could be helping with anxiety, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But the code really is it's just discipleship. It's just discipleship. They connect people with an accountability partner and with a a type of small group atmosphere. We are not meant to live the Christian life alone. I'm starting a discipleship class today at 5 o'clock, and I know who's interested, but you can show up even if you haven't talked to me, and we'll get you a book. But part of that is a prayer partner, an accountability partner. We're not meant to live the Christian life alone. We're meant to live the Christian life in community. So... The reason I share all about Celebrate Recovery is because it relates, but also because I'm really interested in getting one started here at Bethel, but I can't do it on my own. My time is spent. So I need some volunteers. If you're interested, come and see me. We'll talk more about it, and we'll look into it. Uh, The first six months would be really attending another Celebrate Recovery group first as well. It's a way to really reach people and connect them with the Lord and also a discipleship method. Now we're going to get to anxiety here in a moment. People's biggest fears, once again, people's biggest fears were listed as public speaking and death. And if I heard it correctly, public speaking was listed as a greater fear than death. This led Jerry Seinfeld to say that if you're at a funeral, most people would rather be the person who is deceased in the casket rather than the person giving the eulogy. 
because their biggest fears are public speaking followed by death. Think about fear, think about stress, think about worry. I'm a worrier. I can worry about anything and everything. And I realized that uh, when Mercedes was born, you know, I, I, I could worry before, but when Mercedes was born, I realized that God gave us children to give us certainly more people to worry about. And even if you don't have children, eventually you are a child, and eventually you grow up, and your, and your parents get older, and then you have to worry and care for your parents as well, or maybe your siblings, or maybe your cousins. We all have to care for someone else. God has given us that that wonderful um, task to care for other people. God gives us parents to help us to learn how to trust him. God gives us children to help us to learn how to trust him. You know, I'm a light sleeper, and there's many nights when I get this random thought of concern or worry in my head, and I end up walking to my kid's room and looking in and shaking them. (laughs) I should do that just to punish them for all the times they wake me up. (laughs) Just making sure you're awake. Mark Twain. Mark Twain has said, I've lived a long time and worried a lot. And most of the things I've worried about never happened. A problem with worry, or let's call it anxiety, because worry can lead to anxiousness and anxiety. And a problem with it is being anxious can steal our peace. Being anxious, being worried can steal our peace. Steals it away from us. Being anxious can keep us from rejoicing and keep us from worshiping the Lord. You know, we're going to read Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And I believe that you will see that God gives us a way to sanctify our minds. Sanctify. That word means to set apart for a purpose. And God gives us a way to set apart our minds for glorifying and praising Him and focusing on Him instead of worry and anxiety. So my theme today is pray that we and our children will sanctify our minds. We'll set apart our minds for God. We'll think about our thinking. Take every thought captive. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 through 8. I hope you're there by now. If you're not, please continue to turn there. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. That passage says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. We're going to talk more about these, but let's just give an overview of this text. You see right there in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. That's kind of a command. That, that is a command. That's, that's really a command. But then Paul gives something in place of it. Instead of being anxious, instead of occupying your mind with anxiety and worry and fear, instead of that... In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Instead of being anxious, in fact, it even says, but. Be anxious for nothing, but. That's a contrast. That's a change. Instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Give your request to God. And then in verse um, 7, when you do that, instead of anxiety, instead of worry, instead of fear, you pray... Paul talks about this peace of God which comes upon you. But then verse 8 comes on. Verse 8. 
This is the second cure for anxiety. The first cure is prayer. The second cure is instead of thinking on all the negativity, think on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and is, good, and is of good repute. Anything excellence and anything worthy of praise dwell on these things. Think on things that God gives us in Christ Jesus. Paul tells him not to be anxious but to pray giving their request to God with thanksgiving. You know, when Paul was writing this, he had a lot to be worried about. He had a lot to, a lot to give him anxiety. If I, were, if I were the Apostle Paul, I'd probably be a, a pretty nervous Nelly. I'd probably be pretty anxious. I'd be way more anxiety-driven than, than I already am. I mean, he's, he's in prison. He's in a, he's, he has Roman guards around him. If you look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul actually references their praetorian guard that are around him. And Paul is actually thankful for them because he's been able to give a testimony of Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Talk about turning everything around and making it an evangelism opportunity. This past week, I heard about somebody who got rear-ended, and he went and told the guy, oh, I'm glad you did this, because now I can talk about the gospel with you. Turning around everything and making an evangelism opportunity, because everyone you see, if they don't have the gospel, they need the gospel. And if they already have the gospel, then they're a believer in Christ, and you can talk about the gospel and worship the Lord together and rejoice and all that awesome stuff. Paul had many reasons to be anxious. Paul is writing this to the Philippians, and the Philippians were persecuted as well. He is persecuted. He's writing to a persecuted church, and he's telling them not to worry. Don't be anxious. The city of Philippi was a Roman colony, and they were very Roman in culture. They probably even spoke Latin, which was very rare during that time. And by this point in Paul's life, get this, by this point in Paul's life, he had already been shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, and so much more. You can see that in Acts 14 and 2 Corinthians 11. If I had been through everything the Apostle Paul has gone through, I would definitely want to retire. And he's not. He keeps proclaiming the gospel. He wants to take it to Rome. He wants to take it to Spain. He's not, he's not quitting. He's probably dealing with constant pain, having to walk hunched over by being beaten so many times with a cat and nine tails. He had a lot to worry about. In the previous verses, in verse 5, Paul tells them to be gentle. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. they got to be thinking, are you kidding me? I'm being persecuted. How am I supposed to let my gentleness be evident to all? How are you supposed to let your gentleness be made known to all? And Paul told them in verse 4, if you look two verses up, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice they got to be thinking, this Paul, he's a comedian. Rejoice? I'm being persecuted. You've been beaten. You've been shipwrecked. You've been stoned and left for dead. You have guards all around you. You're chained to a Roman soldier. How are you telling me to rejoice? How are you telling me to be gentle? How are you telling me to, to, to not be anxious and not worry? But Paul gives the answer. Prayer with thanksgiving is what they need to do. Prayer with thanksgiving is the way to rejoice, the way to be gentle, the way not to worry. However, as I said, the Philippians faced persecution. What did Jesus say about persecution? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, Love your enemies, 
and pray for those who persecute you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus says that they are blessed when persecuted for him. And as we talked about last week, in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the people rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be persecuted for Jesus' sake. Not to be anxious is difficult. Like I said, I worry a lot. But Paul gives them the antidote to anxiety. And even to the time we spend being anxious. And, and, and let me say here, sometimes we just have these simplistic comments that I think are overly simplistic. We're talking to somebody going through very difficult times, and we say, just trust in the Lord. Just let go and let God. That would be a one step. The most important step, a one step of a 12-step type recovery program, a one step of Celebrate Recovery. That's a one step. We all need to let go and let God. We all need to trust the Lord. But that's where we need our, our Christian friends and our family members, our biblical accountability, our community groups to, to come alongside us and say, I'm rooting for you. I'm praying for you. I'm here to help you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing right here to the church at Philippi. He's saying, look, I'm praying for you. I read, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul even thanks God for them. He rejoices in the Lord for the church at Philippi. That, that's where we need our Christian community. That's part of discipleship, emotional discipleship, needing community. That's big and that's important. The antidote to anxiety, to worry, is prayer. And Paul tells him how to pray. Paul actually lists three types of communion with God. Prayer is the general type. Supplication or petition is a second type of communion with God. And thanksgiving is a third type. Right here, pray and pray with petition or supplication and pray with thanksgiving. We pray in everything, not in some things, but in all things. And we pray with petitions. This petition means that we have a list of needs that we, that we are bringing to God. We have a list of needs and we humbly, very humbly, bring these needs before Almighty God, who can be the only one who can help us. Actually, if you look at the word supplication, as opposed to petition, that has the idea of coming to God with humility. Praying to God, humbly saying, Lord, I need your help. I'm, 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 I'm coming before you. I need your help. All prayers, not petition or supplication. Some prayers, just listening to God. Some prayers, worshiping God. Some prayers, praising God. But in this case, Paul says, pray and give your list to God. Paul says to do this with thanksgiving. Tell God what you're thankful for. And... By the way, a lot of times when we actually list things to be thankful for, it can cure anxiety and worry in and of itself. I was talking to a student once. The student wanted to commit suicide or talked about wanting to be commit suicide. And we made a list of all the things that were provided for him. He was in junior high or middle school, and we made a list of all the things that God had taken care of for him. And when you really do that, you realize that God has met a lot of our needs. That's not to trivialize your emotional trauma or difficult situation uh, that you're going through. But thanksgiving can really help us focus on all the different things God has provided. But we usually focus on the physical felt need and not the spiritual. We have salvation in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit as our comforter and, 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 and one who is to strengthen us. Jesus said not to fear the person who can harm our body but to fear the person who can harm our soul in, in Matthew 10, 28. 
About the year 125 AD, so this is about 90, 95 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. 125 AD, a Greek by the name of Aristides was writing to one of his friends about the new religion, Christianity. He was trying to explain the reasons for its extraordinary success. Here is a sentence from one of his letters. This is what he said. He said, If any righteous man among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God. And they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving, as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. The focus is on the spiritual and our eternal life in Jesus and, you know, and, and the fuller life in Jesus. Having been banished, Cyprian suffered martyrdom in Carthage in 258 AD. So this is about 220, 230 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. When the sentence of death was read to him, he said, I heartily thank Almighty God who is pleased to set me free from the chains of this body. Oftentimes we focus on the physical and we forget about everything Jesus has provided for us. Paul says that they will have peace from God. And that peace is a guard. This peace guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this is not a peace that the world gives us. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. Peace, not as the world needs. This peace is from the Holy Spirit. Paul says, when we pray to God and we come to God with prayer, with thanksgiving, we have this peace that God gives us. This peace which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's not a peace from war. It's an inner peace. The term here used for guard, you know, this peace guards our hearts and minds. This term used for guard is a military term. It's a military term. This type of guard has, has to do with a soldier on a wall guarding a city. So when you pray to God, you, instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, you come to God with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving. You come to him. Imagine a guard, the Holy Spirit, guarding you like a, like a, like a military man or woman, guarding you know, a wall, guarding an area. The Holy Spirit is guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard us. And the peace of God is guarding us in Christ Jesus. It's all about being in Christ. We preached through Ephesians last year. You notice how many times, recall? Make you think a little bit. Recall how many times in Ephesians, it write, Paul writes about being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In Christ, the Holy Spirit is guarding you. Paul says to sanctify your minds for Jesus. Paul said not to be anxious, but pray. Before we move on, that word anxious... Looking at the Greek, this has to do with an anxious concern based on apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. In seminary, I was told at one point that in a general population, 30% of persons have or have had an anxiety disorder. It's the most common of all psychiatric illnesses. And when you have subclinical features, this number easily moves to include the majority of our population. And if you're seeing a counselor, a psychiatrist, or a doctor for those types of things, that's okay. I'm not being critical of that. A lot of us are dealing with anxiety. And the interesting thing is that the brain, the brain does not know the difference between stress. Whether you're standing in front of a dog that is about to attack, the brain does the same thing as if you're sitting in the office with a load of work to do. The brain releases a chemical called cortisol. 
cortisol. And it's a chemical that is released to give power during stress. And too much of this causes you to gain weight. This also causes memory issues. This causes brain cell death. And this is why diet in and of itself does not help with weight loss. Because you have to exercise or do something to take care of that stress. There's a book by Robert M. Sapolsky. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And this man, this biologist or whatever he is, he went over in Africa and he studied the zebras and, you know, how they run away from lions when they're attacking and cortisol is released. And we get that same chemical being released in our brain over a stressful day at the office. Paul says not to be anxious about some things. No. Paul says don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And he gives the cure. Prayer with thanksgiving. And then verse 8 also, he tells us to think about our thinking. Instead of thinking about all the negativity, instead of thinking about all that stuff that causes us to worry and be anxious and cortisol to be released, think on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely, things that are of a good repute. Think on anything excellent and worthy of praise. Think on those things. This is, this is sanctifying our minds. It's, uh, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's what we're doing. Pray these passages. Pray that the Lord will help you to take every thought captive and to obedience to Christ. Pray that God will help you to think on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely, of good repute. Pray that you can sanctify. That means to set apart for a purpose. Sanctify your thinking for the Lord. It's not easy. I once heard a pastor on TV talk about this like changing TV stations. Changing TV stations. Sometimes our mind wants to think on certain things that are negative, that are just terrible. Change that station in your mind. You'll turn to another station and it goes to politics. Change that station too. It's not going to help you. Turn to another station and it'll be about the Browns. You better change that station too. It's not going to help you. Or the Steelers. They're not going to help you right now either, okay? We'll be an equal opportunity offender today. Um, you got to change a station in your mind and think of things that are of God. And sometimes you literally do have to change a station in your life and on TV too. And I'm serious about this. I, read, I heard a true story. This man, he was getting just very angry, very wrathful, very, you know, a lot of rage and worry and anxiety. They found out he was sitting around just watching 24-hour news. They had to tell him, you got to turn off those TV stations. It's not going to help you. <laughs> Think on things that are true and pure and right and lovely. Paul gives us two cures for anxiety right here. Pray with thanksgiving, petitioning a request to God, and change your thinking. Change it to positive. And then, of course, you cross-reference it with 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought captive unto obedience unto Christ. It's not easy. I'm not saying that this is easy, and I'm praying for you as I pray for myself and my children in doing this. Mercedes is a very type A personality. Her preschool teachers used to tell her, tell me that she kept them on schedule. 
I said, I know where she gets it. She likes wearing her watch, and she came in at 5.50 this morning as I was heading out to run and said, can I get up? No. Can I go running with you? No, it's dark and raining. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we get these type A personalities. I'll tell Mercedes, look, you've got all your life to worry about different things. Don't worry. Not, not at this age. Not at seven years old. Take every thought captive. Don't focus on what not to think about. Focus on what to think about. Here are some things to think about in Christ. We have a love that can never be fathomed. A life that can never die. A righteousness that can never be tarnished. A peace that can never be understood. A rest that can never be disturbed. A joy that can never be diminished. A hope that, that can never be disappointed. A glory that can never be clouded. A light that can never be darkened. A happiness that can never be interrupted. A strength that can never be enfeebled. A purity that can never be defiled. A beauty that can never be marred. A wisdom that, ne that can never be baffled. And resources that can never be exhausted. Think about all we have in Christ. Yesterday, they started the beginning of this Celebrate Recovery One Day with uh, worship. It's great to worship the Lord with any group of people, but it's great to worship the Lord with a group of people who a lot of them are Celebrate Recovery leaders, and they see how much Jesus rescues people and saves people from very destructive habits and hurts and hang-ups. They sang this song, Glorious Day. I hadn't heard it before. Maybe we can sing it at some point, but... I was going to play it for you, and I thought I'll read the words, and you can look it up later if you want. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. The chorus which I love, you called my name. And I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of that darkness, into your glorious day. Verse 3, now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. That tomb that we put ourselves in. Ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness. Into your glorious day. What wonderful words. And what a powerful biblical song. When we give our lives to Jesus, the old is made new. The old is washed away. So where are you at with God today? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Jesus says, anyone can come after me, but he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. Where are you at in your spiritual life? Are you overloaded in a tomb of worry and anxiety? Are you giving your thinking to God? Do you need to change the channel? I would love to talk to you and help you. Give me a call. I really would. Send me a message. Stop by. And I also know that there are many Christian friends here in this congregation and I know you would all love to support one another. Talk to a Christian brother or sister this week about what's overloading you. And pray about it together. Together, unite forces. You know, one of the weapons of our warfare is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. 
And in the Bible times, the Romans would link their shields together. They linked their shields together. They connected them together to build a wall versus enemy. As Christians, we are called to link our shields together as we go against the enemy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have a glorious day in you. That we can run out of that tomb, run out of that grave. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have provided for us. Our eternal life in you, the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you give us your peace. Peace not as the world needs, but peace that's from you. Oh, Jesus, help us to do this. Help us to do all things with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, presenting our request unto you. Help us to live this passage here at Bethel. Help our children and grandchildren to see our example of living this passage. Help us to take every thought captive unto obedience to you. Help us to think on things that are true and right and pure and lovely. Oh, Lord, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we plead with you. Help us to change a channel in our mind. To take captive our thinking. You've given us plenty of good things to think about. Help us and help us to help each other. Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here who, who does not have a relationship with you, may today be the day of salvation. Where they believe, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. They confess they are a sinner in need of a Savior. They trust in you and commit their life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.